Well, I invite everyone to turn in their Bibles to the book of 1 Timothy. Uh, 1 Timothy, we'll be looking at chapter 6 of the book of 1 and 2 Timothy are found uh, uh, all the way towards the end of the New Testament, I guess before you get to Hebrews and after Romans and 1 and 2 Corinthians. So I invite you to turn there. We'll be looking at chapter uh, 6 as your worship guide uh, states. And if you want to follow along in your worship guide, you can uh, turn there as well. There's a note section at the, at the end uh, in, your, in your worship guide to follow along in our message today. And uh, as, a, as a church, we try not to be uh, unnecessarily bashful through, throughout the course of the year of addressing the way that our relationship with Christ uh, should inform our issues of stewardship and what God has blessed us with and how it relates to, to giving and how it relates to the material possessions of this life. So we, we try not to be bashful about that. And at the same time, it's certainly helpful at a point like this during our uh, stewardship time and as we consider uh, pledges to s- submit to our general fund and missions for next year. It's a, it's a good time to, to pause and to think uh, perhaps in a more focused way about these matters. It's uh, it's certainly not always an easy thing to deliver a message on this topic, just as I know it's challenging for us often to receive uh, God's Word in, in this area of our lives. And yet, you look at the Scriptures, and as, as Mark already shared with us earlier, it's all over the map. It's all over the place in God's Word, this matter of how His kingdom uh, should affect and shape uh, our resources that God has provided for us and how that is tied to our spiritual well-being. So we not only uh, can talk about this or should talk about this, we absolutely need to talk about this. So I invite you to stand with me in recognition of God's Word, its truth, its power. 1 Timothy chapter 6. I'll read, read aloud as you read along silently, uh, starting in verse 6. Now there's great gain in godliness with contentment. For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we had food and clothing with these, we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you, in the presence of God, who gives life to all things, and of Christ Jesus, who made, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession, to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will display at the proper time. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God 
who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. You may be seated and let me pray for us again. Oh, Father, we ask that you would bless and strengthen as we turn to your word and spend time focusing on this passage and receive its challenge for our lives. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you may have heard the story, I may have even shared the story of the somewhat overly bold pastor preaching to his congregation one Sunday morning about this giving topic that went so far as to even call out one of the members of the congregation. He said, Mr. Smith, I I know we can count on you to come through. Mr. Smith, I know you're going to be committed to giving and supporting. Well, with that kind of address directly in front of the congregation, Mr. Smith had no choice but to stand and respond publicly. He stood and he said, Pastor, last week my wife needed surgery and it, cost, and it was going to cost about $15,000. The other day my mom called and she needed a new wheelchair for $5,000. And right today before the worship service, a good longtime friend came up to me and said, I've fallen on hard times. I need some financial help. Pastor, if I can tell all of them no, I can certainly tell you no as well. It's not easy to receive or give the challenge of God's call to stewardship, but I hope you'll track along with me in the moments that we have this morning to take a look at this main idea. It's back in the worship uh, sermon section notes of your worship guide where this passage basically tells us this, that because we have taken hold of this glorious life that we have in Christ. That we're called to pursue the great gain of godly giving. To pursue the great gain of godly giving. And it's interesting in our passage today, I don't know if you noticed, but it's, it's kind of formed up into a little deli sandwich. You've got the two halves of the bun and then you've got the meat in the middle. Let me talk for a moment about the meat here in verses uh, 12 through 15. The Apostle Paul says this is what's supposed to drive our understanding about being generous for the things of the kingdom, our understanding about using our resources for God's glory. He encourages this young pastor Timothy and, you know, by default, the congregation he's leading to take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. He says that's the crux, that's the centerpiece, that's the meat on this sandwich. And then if you jump on with me to verse 15 and 16, he goes on and he even describes it in this uh, sort of majestic and elevated language that we just read. That Jesus Christ is the one who is the blessed and only sovereign, King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality. He's got honor, he's got eternal dominion. We're encouraged to take hold of that. And the Apostle Paul says that's the thing that's intended to drive 
our giving, not merely a, a need or a present issue that we need to address, although that's, that's good and we'll sometimes present those concerns as a, as a church, but that we're actually overflowing with the work of Christ and the realization of eternal life in Him to such a degree that we desire to see all that we have used for God's glory, surrendered to His purposes, that it flows out of the eternal life in Christ. So a question for each one of us today about that meat in that sandwich in this passage is whether you're here and you barely have two nickels to rub together or you've had the best year financially you have ever had. Do you, do I, view God's provision for us of eternal life as the, the force, the, the power that's propelling us to recognize that all of it comes from Him and is for His glory. That's the meat of the sandwich. The Apostle Paul gives us the uh, bottom bun, if you will, and the top bun as well. And this idea that we're called out of response to this eternal life, out of taking hold of it in greater depth, to pursue the great gain of glorious giving. Look back at verse 6 with me, again, of 1 Timothy chapter 6. He says, now there's great gain, there is great gain in godliness with contentment. He's telling us that there's a great gain to contentment, and then he's going to go on and explain there's an incredible loss to living a life of greed. That's the opposite, in case you haven't realized to what our culture preaches to us every day. In every commercial we hear, in every conversation probably that we have with those around us, in every work environment, the Apostle Paul is telling us something that really is, is spiritual. It's from the Lord. It's upside down of the way we would normally think of things. He goes on and he even says uh, this, we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of the world. Nothing we can take out of the world. You've been to a funeral lately? There's a person in a box, maybe a set of clothing for us on their back. The Lord would have us consider that. And he even would take it even further and say this in verse 8, if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. Wouldn't that be amazing? I appreciated what Mark shared about just being freed and even describing it as almost some chains that were linked up to him. Aren't we always feeling those chains uh, coming in against us and holding us down, especially in this culture of affluence we live in. It's all around us. What a freeing thing it would be to just be content, perfectly happy with food and clothing. He goes on and he says, that's, that's if you will, the gain of contentment. He talks about the loss of greed. Verse 9 says, those who desire to be rich, and, and let's go ahead and pause here just to recognize where we are. I'm sure among our congregation we have folks at, at different stages of life, different uh, areas of financial uh, development and prosperity and so forth. The reality is uh, that for most of us, I would imagine, if we live uh, in the American culture that we do, have a car, have a dishwasher, a refrigerator, a couple of pieces of nice electronics around our house, and some kind of regular employment, maybe some health care along with it, we are among the top 5% of people in the world. We, we are the rich. 
So, so tune, don't tune out here. It can be easy to say, oh, oh, he's talking to that guy who has, you know, 10 million. He's talking to that guy. No, he's, he's speaking to, to all of us. We may be relative to other folks around us, but this message is for us. And listen to what he says about it. Topsy-turvy of what our world says. That actually, greed and pursuing material prosperity as an end in itself is, is bringing about our ruin. Brings about our destruction. It's the root of all kinds of evils to love money in that way and can even lead us away from our relationship with the Lord and dependence upon Him. That's the bottom bun on this. That's kind of the assessment, if you will, of our condition relative to this meat here, what's on the top. Verses 17 and 19 speak to the, the steps we're called to take, invited to take would be a good way to put it, uh, to move forward and to, to begin to move past this mindset of just pursuing the wealth and the blessings of this life in that way. It says in verse 17, As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty. I think haughty is that, you know, it sounds like a really harsh word. It's just having stuff to show it off to other people, right? Having stuff so that other people can see it and see how we're doing. Nor, he says, to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches. How uncertain over the last six years could we possibly get than the ups and downs of our economy? It's uncertain for sure. But on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. I like that last little phrase. He richly provides us with everything to enjoy. You know, one of the things we get into a mindset of and and, and I see it in, in my life and in our family, is it becomes difficult in a very sort of affluent culture like ours to enjoy something that we're not paying money for. You know what I mean? You have to have spent the big money on that ticket for that show, or you have to have gotten that big new electronic device. You have to have put some money into it to enjoy it, and we can't just walk out the door... <laughs> And look up at the sky and see the beauty of the world God has created in the trees and walk around with our family and our kids and enjoy it. What a wealth he's provided for us just right there around us. The blessings that he gives us to enjoy. And then he goes into a couple of specific points and I'll uh, try to bring us into a close on, on these specific points. Verse 18, look with me again. We're still in 1 Timothy chapter 6. He says, he tells us what we're to do. How do we kind of begin to remedy and address this problem? Those of us, us, who God has blessed material are to do good, to be rich in good works, generous and ready to share. So number one, rich in good works. And, and, and what that means is that, again, we're responding to God's grace and giving out of, of what he's doing in our lives. Uh, even as we've wrestled with recent decisions as a church, one of the things we're concerned about is creating a church culture where we uh, simply are constantly asking for more for some specific need. We have some specific needs, so give it. We have some specific need, forgive it. And, and, and certainly there are specific needs, and that's, that's not a horrible motivation to give. But the biblical, central, undergirding motivation is that we... We're so passionate about what Christ is doing in our lives. We're so excited about his eternal kingdom that we're excited about the kingdom he's building through this, his church. And so we're engaged and want to be a part of that, seeking to be motivated to serve and to bless 
with the resources God has provided us so that that work can extend to be rich in good works. And then he says in the next verse, a passage that mirrors one that we probably all have heard before some in the Gospels and Jesus proclaiming, verse 19. He says, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future. What an amazing promise. What an amazing promise. That whatever eternal life with Christ looks like, and we know it's by grace and not by anything we can do. We can't earn it by our obedience in any area of life, certainly not in this area of giving. And yet we're given this promise that as we invest in the things of the kingdom, the missionaries, the local ministries, certainly the ministry of our church, then we will see and we can trust that there will be some type of tangible blessing in the eternal life that we enjoy. It's a promise that Jesus gives multiple times. Paul doesn't miss the opportunity to state it again. I like what Tertullian says. I think I put the quote in your worship guide. He was one of these early church fathers, and I, I love this. He says, can a man be poor if he's free from want? If he doesn't covet the belongings of others, if he's rich in the possession of God, rather he is poor who possesses much, but still craves for more. We're called to be rich in good deeds, be storing up for ourselves uh, treasures in heaven. And then one last item, which the Apostle Paul says, and again, this is beautiful at the end of verse 19. He says, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Get that? glaze off our eyes of the affluence of our culture, free ourselves some from these shackles that we're in that we don't even realize we're, we're, we are wearing. And what can happen for us is that we take hold of life the way God intended for us to, to live it, in dependence upon Him and trust upon Him, not by the strength of our own hands, but through His working in us and in our lives. I like what uh, John Stott says. I probably have read this at one time, at least in the past. I'll read it for us, and then we'll come to a close. He says this about seeking the kingdom of God as our central motivation in life. He says, when this is genuinely our dominant ambition, then not only will all these things, remember that passage, seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to us, he says, not only will all these things be ours as well, but there'll be no harm in having secondary ambitions. Since these will be subservient to our primary ambition and not in competition with it. Indeed, it's then that the secondary ambitions become healthy. What is he talking about? He says Christians should be eager to develop their gifts, widen their opportunities, extend their influence, get a promotion at work. Now, not to boost their own ego or to build their own empire, but rather through everything they do to bring glory to God. There's certainly practical needs we have as a church to be able to pay to meet at this space and have a footprint in the community through our office and the different ministry uh, staff that run our children's ministry and worship and our pastoral staff as well and the expenses of doing different ministries like our VBS and our kids' Sunday school and having our nursery. There's all those practical sides of things, and we could talk upside and down about them. The beautiful thing that the gospel calls us to is a response 
But what God has done in our lives to laying hold of eternal life in Him to greater and greater degrees so that we enjoy, we actually delight to walk in the glorious gain of godly giving. Let's pray together. Oh, Father, how richly You have blessed us. And as we are here in this Advent uh, season, we are incredibly mindful of the gift of Your Son, Jesus, sent into this world. And how, because of that gift, our lives can begin, instead of being constantly turned in upon ourselves, to be turned outward to be utilized by You for Your kingdom purposes and Your glory. We pray that that would happen in our lives by Your grace. In Jesus' name, Amen.